Hey there, future fans. Welcome. It is the week of November 3rd, 2017, and we have a list of new movies for you. In fact, it's one of the most exciting weeks since summer. That's right. We have a big one coming out, but we have quite a few movies in general. Is the obvious movie my pick of the week, or will I surprise everyone and pick something else? Stay tuned and find out, and find out all the latest news and what trailers have dropped. It's the week of November 3rd, 2017, and this is episode 65 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Alright everyone, welcome to the show. Like I said, this is Future Flicks, which means I am your host, Billiam. Let me tell you a little about what I do here, just in case you're new. And if you're new, welcome to the show. I hope you stick around. And for everyone else, thank you very much for returning each and every week. So let's get on with the opening You've found Future Flicks. Congratulations. And on this show, I go over every movie that's being released during the week. I tell you what it's about. I tell you who's in it, and then I give my thoughts on it. I will give the movie a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score. This score is only based on the trailer and anything I've read about the movie, but let's start this episode with some housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. You can reach me on Twitter, at BilliamSWN, Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com and find me on Instagram, BilliamSWN there as well. Well, let's move on to our first segment, which as always, is the news. Stephen King's Pet Cemetery is getting a remake, and as of now, there are no official, well, anything really. Nothing official about it, but Deadline is reporting that Paramount has decided who they want to direct it, so they're in talks with Dennis Wildmer, or Widmer. No, no, Widmeyer. I can't read. Dennis Widmeyer and Kevin Kolsch, who directed the 2014 movie Starry Eyes. Variety released a full list of what's coming to Netflix in November. I'll put the link to the article in the show notes. But some notable shows and movies are Field of Dreams, Silent Hill, Marvel's The Punisher, The Boss Baby, and Broadchurch Season 3. In other news, you know what a great idea is? Turning a horror movie into a TV show. Great, right? IndieWire is reporting that the Blair Witch Project is in the works to become a show. Yay, because that works so well for every other horror movie turned TV show. Slash Film has said that the number one creator of shitty TV, Donald Belsario, has written a Quantum Leap movie. This is good news, actually, as Quantum Leap is one of the good things that Donald Belisario has done. It's not the unwatchable shit that's NCIS or any of those terrible spinoffs, but only time will tell if this actually gets off the ground or if people are just having a nostalgia trip talking about it. Super nerd Zachary Levi has been cast as Shazam in a move that's leaving me scratching my head, to be honest. Collider reports that the Chuck actor beat out Army Hammer, John Cena, Derek Feller, Zane Holtz, Jake McDormand, and Billy Magnuson. Those actors were also in the mix, but don't get me wrong, I like Zachary Levi. But as Shazam, the beefy superhero that makes Superman look like he's skipping workouts? As far as acting goes, they pick the right guy. But looks? Uh, we'll see. I hope they really don't CG the hell out of him and make it a Green Lantern. I really hope they don't do that. Slash Film had a piece about a bunch of sequels in the works. Michael Doherty wants Trick or Treat 2 to be his next film. The rest of the article we already know, things I've mentioned in the show, but they did mention that Dan Aykroyd wouldn't say no to a Ghostbusters TV show, but that's not actually news, is it? I think they were just working for clickbait there, hoping to show a snippet of their article mentioning Dan Aykroyd and Ghostbusters and have people flip their sh but it's actually just Dan Aykroyd saying, I'd do it. Ooh, congratulations, Slash Film. Dan Aykroyd would return to one of his most beloved movies, 
Good job on that reporting. In other Slash Film news, they had another article, but this one is about reboots. Apparently, a newly named Morgan Creek Entertainment Group, formerly the Morgan Creek Productions, is looking at an Ace Ventura Pet Detective reboot as either a TV show or a theatrical movie. A possible movie and show are planned for Young Guns as well. The Exorcist is being turned into a TV show which harkens me back to talking about horror movies turned into TV shows. And finally, a Major League reunion is in the works. That's Major League the movie, not the baseball company. Uh, all that sounds like a terrible idea to me. I look forward to reporting in some future episode that the Morgan Creek Entertainment Group has gone bankrupt because this is absolute sh**. Like, I really stopped hanging out on our movies on Reddit because it's just a big circle jerk for those people. And they jump at any f***ing chance they have to talk about how... Hollywood has no original ideas left, and anywhere it does. If you look on YouTube comments for reboot trailers or sequel trailers, like, this is why Hollywood's not doing well. They don't have any good ideas left, or they don't have anything original to do. There's a ton of good and original coming out, but now we have Morgan Creek Entertainment Group planning a whole bunch of unoriginal and uninspired. I mean, if they can find a way to do it well, then I will gladly eat my words and watch these movies in theater or watch these TV shows, but I really don't think they're going to do it. I think they're going to fail terribly. And finally in the news, I reported recently that rumors of a Shaun of the Dead sequel were wrong, but now the Lad Bible, I guess that's a website, reports that Simon Pegg has written a sequel script as a joke. But they also reported that Edgar Wright would like to do it. The fake sequel that Simon Pegg wrote was called From Dusk Till Sean. And as you can guess from the title, instead of zombies, this time it would be vampires. Apparently Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright met over drinks at a pub and talked about this. And that's the only news we have. Will a Shaun of the Dead sequel happen? Maybe. It really could happen. Who knows? But it's not going to be anytime soon. Any stories we're going to see about this in the future are just going to be clickbaity titles that obviously work because I clicked on it and I reported about it here. So, so good for you. Good for you, Lad Bible. You, you, you did good. And with that, let's step into the trailer trove. Avast and welcome to the trailer trove. We have the first trailer for Marvel's Runaways. This is a Hulu original show about a group of teenagers who find out their parents are villains and run away to right their parents' wrongs. But why are their parents sacrificing innocent people? How did the teenagers get their powers? We'll find out when this show premieres on November 21st only on Hulu. I really should do ads for Hulu or Netflix. I'd prefer Netflix. I think they have better work. Hey, Netflix, I'm hiring because you totally listen to this because A, Netflix is a person and B, you listen to podcasts. C, you listen to my podcast. But I've uh, rambled about that long enough. Let's move on to the next trailer. The next trailer on the list, actually the final one that caught my eye was for a movie called Mudbound. This is about two friends who return from World War II to rural Mississippi where things are still bass-ackwards. One, a young black man, is still treated as a second-class citizen despite his military service, and the other, a young white man, sees the way his brother treats his sister-in-law as they start to fall for each other. This stars Jason Mitchell, Garrett Hedlund, Jason Clark, Carrie Mulligan, Jonathan Banks, and Mary J. Blige. Well, those are all the trailers that jumped out to me. And as always, did I miss any news or did I miss a trailer you think I should have talked about? Please hit me up. You can tweet me, email me, comment on an Instagram picture. It doesn't have to be a picture about a movie. It could be my cat going, hey, you missed this trailer. What's up? Or you can comment on SoundCloud, Facebook, or the Somewhat Nerdy site. Let me know. Communicate with me. I want to hear from you. Well, with that, it is time for our first break. So please stay tuned for a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Stay tuned. Imagine yourself on a journey with the somewhat nerdy radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, and we're back. We are back from the break and ready to jump into the first movie of this episode, which is called Battle Creek. 
Henry has a rare skin disease that keeps him indoors during the day and he can only go out at night. He's always under the watchful eye of his mother. One night, a young woman's car breaks down and the chance encounter changes everything for Henry. This stars Bill Skarsgård from It, Paula Malcolmson from Ray Donovan, Claire Vanderboom from Hawaii Five-O, and Delroy Lindo from Gone in 60 Seconds. And let me warn you right now, if anything I said or anything I'm going to say in this makes you think you may want to see this movie, do not watch the trailer. The trailer gives away way, way too much. And as just a warning, while I may not tell you exactly what the trailer said, or said, but showed, that was a spoiler, I am going to talk about different tropes from this guy with an illness or person with an illness type movie that this movie could do. So there's that. So we've seen movies like this before. We've seen movies where there's some person, man or woman, with a disease or something's wrong with them where they have to be kept hidden from the world by a protective parent or the parent is dead but they just keep on following the rules set by the parent and someone comes in someone comes into this person's life and changes it and nothing is ever the same again yay so either that person has a happy ending where they live happily ever after with this person or with someone else it, it doesn't matter who or it ends terribly where everything goes wrong and oh my god why did you do that with this disease what is wrong with you you're now dead and in movies like this when it's someone being protected by a parent that has a terrible disease there are quite a few different tropes but some of the more popular ones that we see a lot of are that either a the person is going to realize that they need to live their life despite whatever illness it is so they're going to take the chance and live their life which could kill them leading for a sad ending or they find some workaround which lead to a happy ending so we either have that or the person finally takes the step to get their disease or issue taken care of be it surgery or something something risky or they find out that they were never sick or they were sick once, but then their parents were just scared from that point on. And even though they weren't sick anymore, they were told they were sick. And those are just the few that I think, at least I think, are most popular. There are a bunch of other tropes for these movies and TV shows based on someone with a sickness. But what it all comes down to is that the trailer even with the spoilers in it, didn't do enough to show me that this is any different from movies I've seen before. And you all know that sometimes I bring up the director and writer and what they've done before and use that, use their pedigree as possible evidence towards this a movie being good or a movie being bad. And we all know that that's not always the case. Sometimes a first time writer or director can come out with a great movie. And sometimes a writer or director that has done a lot of great stuff can make a shitty movie. But when we have Battle Creek, when we have a movie like this that doesn't give us much to go on and that has a lot of things pointing to it being a tired, rehashed movie, I do look to the writer and director to go, maybe there's going to be something more. Maybe I'm going to trust this person to deliver more. But Alison Eastwood, she's the director of this film and she's the daughter of Clint Eastwood, has only ever directed one other thing and really has just had bit roles in movies like really small roles so i can't look at her history to go okay this is going to be good because at least she does good things i can't say that and the writer thea anka i think i'm saying it right has only written one other thing a movie from last year called alley cats so guess what i'm gonna say this movie has almost nothing going for it the only thing it does is i like the actors but actors aren't enough to save a movie this looks like a boring rehashed story with no one reliable at the helm to make it any good. Battle Creek gets a 1 out of 11. Next up on this week's list, we have the first and only Bollywood movie that's like no other Bollywood movie I've ever seen. I'm going to butcher the name, but here we go anyway. The next movie on the list is called Itefak. There's a crime with two murders, two suspects, and two versions of what happened. One detective must find the truth if he hopes to catch a killer. If someone can help me pronounce this, that'd be great. It's spelled I-T-T-E-F-A-Q. But this movie looks really good. And remember, folks, that normally when we talk about Bollywood movies, there are two types. What we see mostly coming from India to America is the rom-com. But every once in a while, we get a really good-looking drama that changes our expectations from Bollywood. But now we have this other movie that looks like it falls in the middle. This isn't some rom-com, this isn't some silly by-the-numbers movie, but this isn't like 
one of those Hindi movies that's going to be nominated for an Oscar because it's so amazing. This looks good. It looks like Bollywood's answer to Gone Girl, though hopefully it won't be as f***ed. This looks like a long episode of Law & Order, but it also looks interesting. It's just kind of dark. It's not as dark as you would expect a movie about trying to find the truth behind two murders would be. The trailer has one funny scene in it. It's not even super funny. It's just kind of, oh, yeah, okay, that was funny. Kind of reaction. That's what it got out of me. So it looks like this is a serious movie that takes itself seriously. But once again, you know what? As every time we come to the issue that this is a foreign movie and it's going to be harder to find. And also the issue is it's not good enough to warrant the effort. And while I understand it, I understand the reason why foreign movies don't get more love in America, because like I said, it's harder to find. It, it's also unfair. Unfair to the movies, of course. Maybe more of these foreign movies should realize they're not going to get a lot of money from American cinemas and instead go on one of the streaming services and go, hey, we want to give you this product. Let's make a deal. We can get some sort of money from it and get our product seen. This movie looks interesting, but as I've already said, not interesting enough to try and catch in theaters. Itifak, or whatever it's called, gets a 4 out of 11. Next up on our list is a movie called Ladybird. This is the adventures of a young woman living in California over the span of a year. She dreams of moving to New York where people are smart and educated, but is stuck in California with her family and her low GPA. This stars Saoirse Ronan from Hannah, Laurie Metcalf from Roseanne, Lucas Hedges from Manchester by the Sea, and Odea Rush from Goosebumps. And welcome everyone to the Indie Jerk-Off Movie of the Week. This is your classic story of a douchebag kid who thinks they know it all and is so woefully misunderstood and they belong in New York City where people are educated and smart, not California. In this movie, this young woman named Christine McPherson goes by the name Ladybird because it's a name she has given herself because it suits her more. And I really don't know why she wants to go to New York so bad because she's obviously some bullshit hippie and those people belong in California. In fact, come to Santa Cruz or go to Humboldt. Those are the two areas where someone like you belong. I had an English teacher in college who, I forgot what his real name was, but he says, I know your transcript says one name. I really prefer to go by Lalu because that's the name Earth gave me. And someone questioned him about this. And he says, yeah, it's really just the name Mother Earth wanted me to have. I mean, if you honestly believe that, good good for you. You do your thing. Don't let me stop you. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to laugh at you a little bit behind your back. Just like Ladybird. Oh, she's so troubled. Oh, no. Life's so hard. She's just misunderstood. There are a couple of great scenes where the adults make fun of her for being stupid. And not stupid as in she has a mental handicap because that'd be fucked up. Stupid as in she's just a moron. There's this one line in the trailer where she says, yeah, I probably won't get into Yale. And her guidance counselor starts laughing. She's like, probably won't. You definitely won't. You're stupid. Stupid. Of course, she didn't say stupid. That was what I added to it. But this is a classic case in this movie of this kid who doesn't want to try and just wants everything handed to them. She wants to go to New York where everyone's artsy and aware of the world and, you know, just has a better grip on things, man. But doesn't actually want to do any work to get there. She just assumes everything's going to work out. But what this movie really is, is half about this annoying little girl played by the wonderful Saoirse Ronan who's not a little girl she is an adult but she still looks young enough that she can play this girl and we won't bat an eye it's not like oh let's grab Willem Dafoe and put some makeup on him call him a high schooler no it's nothing like that she actually looks like she could still be in high school in the makeup for this movie but anyway the movie's about this annoying girl and then the other part of the movie is about her relationship with her family and how she thinks her mother hates her and I am so old and disgruntled that I actually see the mother's point of view, that she sees her daughter and just fears that her daughter is hopeless. Unfortunately for the mother, she doesn't know how to communicate this well. And that's one of my fears when I have kids. Am I going to be one of those parents that fails to learn how to communicate with the next generation? Everything about this story in this movie is basic, and we've seen it before, and the only big difference is this truly annoying, unsympathetic character that the movie is named after. And based on her alone, based on the fact that this is who we're gonna see the entire time, this is whose struggle we're supposed to care about, that's why I'm not gonna recommend this movie at all. This should be skipped by everyone, it shouldn't be watched, 
in theaters or at home, even if it pops up on Netflix. If you want to watch an indie film, if you want to watch a movie with a lot of meaning behind it that doesn't have some big budget production company behind it, there are so many other great movies out there to watch. Just not this one, even with the good cast it has. Lady Bird gets a 1 out of 11. All right, future friends, we have three movies left before the break, so let's jump into the next movie, which is fitting after this last one. What do the last movie and this one have in common? Let me know in the comments if you get the theme. The next movie is called LBJ. This is a story of President Lyndon Baines Johnson from his early years until his time in the White House after the assassination of JFK and the decision he makes to carry on the legacy of JFK that would make him very unpopular in the South. This stars Woody Harrelson from Now You See Me, Jennifer Jason Leigh from The Hateful Eight, Bill Pullman from Independence Day, Jeffrey Donovan from Burn Notice, and board game nerd Rich Somer from Glow and Mad Men. This is a Rob Reiner movie, directed by Rob Reiner, not written. Uh, Rob Reiner, of course, who did movies like This Is Spinal Tap, the movie which Somewhat Nerdy bases our review scale on, The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, A Few Good Men, The Story of Us, basically movie royalty. And this movie stars Woody Harrelson, someone who I think is a vastly underappreciated actor and has been for years. And I think it's only now in his career that he's beginning to get more love. He's beginning to get bigger roles, media roles, something that we that he can show us how good he is. War for the Planet of the Apes was a mediocre movie. I thought it was the weakest one in the trilogy, but Woody Harrelson was amazing. If there's anything that the Planet of the Apes trilogy brought us, it was great acting, wonderful storytelling, and the fact that Watch Your Mouth came up with the apes joke. But let's move on to this movie. It looks good. And the cast wasn't anyone I would have personally put together. I wouldn't have chosen Woody Harrelson for this just because unfortunately he wouldn't have come to my mind. But now I'm glad they chose him. And Jeffrey Donovan, no matter how much I loved Burn Notice, would not have come to my mind to play JFK. But in the trailer, he does a good job at least verbally and physically. He doesn't much look like JFK and they didn't do much to change the way he looks but his mannerisms and his voice worked really well. This looks like a movie that's about a president that not a lot of us younger people know about. Of course, we know LBJ. We know how he was put into power or how he came into power, that he lost to JFK in the primaries and then was picked for the vice presidency just because JFK hoped to get the Southern vote, which he hoped that LBJ would bring with him. LBJ being a popular politician in the South. But then after the assassination of America's most beloved president, we had the South breathing a collected sigh of relief, saying, oh, okay, we're not going to have our segregation and our racism changed. That's not going to change. Yay, because the man who's going to do it, this evil man who is going to try and make us better people, is dead. Little did they know that it was a cause that LBJ was going to take up himself. I'm not sure how much he actually believed in it, but he wanted to do it. At least that's what the movie is pushing, and that's what history has pushed. He wanted to do it to fulfill the presidency of JFK. What really happened? That's inconsequential, because we're talking about a movie right here and a movie that looks good. But ultimately, guess what? A movie that's not going to have to be watched in theaters. A movie that will be perfectly good at home will be just as enjoyable at home and will probably get put on one of the major three streaming services. So this is something that you probably won't have to pay for unless you really want it on your shelf. And even though I really want to see this, I'm not going to make an effort to see it in theaters, even with my movie pass card. And I don't think I'll make an effort to buy it unless I see it on sale somewhere. But this is something I definitely will put on my list to watch because I think it's going to be good. If you like political movies, if you like historic movies, check this out. LBJ gets a 7.5 out of 11. And here's a quick funny story I really like about Rob Reiner. This was from the book Still Foolin' Em by Billy Crystal, which I, I suggest everyone reads. 700 Sundays and Still Foolin' Em are two really good books. They're memoirs by Billy Crystal. And so Rob Reiner did When Harry Met Sally, which has the famous scene in the diner where 
Meg Ryan was showing Billy Crystal that women can fake orgasms. So apparently Meg Ryan was really shy about this and didn't want to do it. So Rob Reiner got frustrated and sat down and she says, okay, this is what I want you to do. And he gets into it, gets hot and heavy with it. And then he gets up and he walks off embarrassed. And Billy Crystal wa- follows after him going, hey man, are you okay? And Rob Reiner says, yes, but I just had an orgasm in front of my mother. Because the woman in When Harry Met Sally, who utters the world famous line, I'll have what she's having is Rob Reiner's mother. Let's get this show on the road because we have two more movies before the break and the next movie on the list is called My Friend Dahmer. This is based on the true story of a young Jeffrey Dahmer, a shy alcoholic teenager who never quite fit in and the dark path he turned down. This stars Anne Heche from Volcano, Vincent Carthizer from Mad Men, and Dallas Roberts from The Grey. This also stars... Former Disney actor Ross Lynch, who's been in such classics as Teen Beach Movie and Teen Beach 2. And you know, these Disney Channel original movies and Disney Channel TV shows aren't known for their acting. I think that's safe to say, right? But we have been surprised by people who have left the Disney Channel. And it's easy to forget that they are acting. That this style of cheesy, over-the-top, non-challenging, easy acting is what the Disney Channel wants. So an actor, no matter how good they are, you could grab any great actor and throw them in a Disney Channel movie and they would have to act the same way. So it's easy to forget that there could be real, honest-to-God acting chops hiding in these movies and shows. And it looks like Ross Lynch has it. From the looks of the trailer, he is one creepy motherfucker in this movie. And I watched a trailer for the Teen Beach movie, and... Oddly enough, the characters are nothing alike. Weird, right? It shouldn't be that surprising when an actor can play completely different people because, you know, that's what acting is. But of course, we have actors like Tom Cruise, who I like, but tends to play varying flavors of Tom Cruise. But then we have this person who can completely change themselves from some smiling, dancy, uppity teen kid to Jeffrey f***ing Dahmer. Which I didn't realize until a couple years back, I had been pronouncing wrong the whole time. I've been, I was saying Dahmer, like there's an L in it, not Dahmer. And I don't think anyone ever corrected me because I don't think they knew. But that's besides the point. According to IMDb, this is a biodrama horror. And let me get one thing straight. This, this is not a true horror. If anything, this is a biodrama thriller. Because remember, folks, to be a horror, a horror is always a thriller that focuses on terror, that focuses on scaring someone. And not once during this trailer did I feel scared at all. This movie's gonna make you feel tense, of course, especially when you start to see Dahmer head down that dark path, when he starts to kill animals, and eventually when he starts to hunt people. Psycho was more of a horror than this, and I still kind of view Psycho as a horror thriller. Am I splitting hairs? Yes, but I think that's important when we differentiate horror from thriller. The two biggest horror fans in my life, Anne and Roz, love them all. Okay, maybe not love them all, but they will give them all chances, regardless if it's a true horror or if it creeps more into the thriller category. But they can also tell you the difference. And I think it's important for you to know so you know what to expect going in. This is going to be a dark thriller. This looks good, and just like LBJ, this looks like a movie that would look great on your TV instead of a movie screen. But you know what, I say that, but every movie looks better on a movie screen, but you have to ask yourself, how much time and effort do I want to put into seeing this on a big screen? For this, I say the answer is not a lot. I want to watch this. I'm going to watch this in the comfort of my own home on my small to medium TV, and it's going to be just as good. I saw Geostorm. Geostorm isn't going to be as good of a movie as my friend Dahmer, at least I think, but that movie needed to be seen on a big screen. Back to my friend Dahmer, though, this looks good. It looks like it's going to tell us more of the story of one of the most notorious serial killers in American history. And it comes at the right time. We have more documentaries coming out about this guy on television. So you can have a Dahmer marathon. Fix yourself up some Soylent Green and watch some Dahmer. My friend Dahmer gets a 7 out of 11. And ladies and gentlemen, we have the break after this next movie. And this next movie is a really dark one, but a different sort of dark from a movie about Jeffrey Dahmer. The final movie before the break is called The Light of the Moon. Bonnie gets attacked and raped after a party. 
In the aftermath, she just wants to move on with her life, but finds it difficult as her boyfriend and others start treating her like a victim. She asks them to treat her as if nothing happened, but that doesn't help either. She searches for what will. This stars Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Michael Stahl David from Narcos. And this is a really surprising performance. I mean, I really like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's one of my favorite shows. But if you've ever seen that show, you know Stephanie Beatrice's character doesn't show emotion. And yes, I know, it's a character and she's acting. And she obviously has emotion because I've seen her in interviews. But it's still weird seeing her in a role showing anything but the emotionless mask that Diaz wears all the time. So she turns around from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, a, a great show where she's great, and then does this role, which looks like she does a fantastic job showing the complex emotions that someone would have after such a tragedy befalls them such a gruesome and vicious attack because playing the victim of a rape or some other awful event like that can't be easy because it's not simple i know that sounds obvious and a little heartless on my part but let me explain there are a lot of things that can happen to you and you will just be sad or you'll just be angry. Much easier things to act, but something like this, something that can bring so many different emotions to the surface, it cannot be easy, and looks like she does it really well. And this is going to be a movie I really have to ask myself if I want to watch, because so often, especially in the horror genre or the thriller genre, rape is used as an easy way to get emotions out of the audience. But for this, for this movie, the movie is really about what happens after. It's really about how Bonnie deals with this and how there's no single answer. It's not like, oh, this happened to you, so you need this. It's not like, oh, you got stabbed with a rusty piece of metal. Here, go get a tetanus shot. Go get your wounds cleaned. Yay, done. No, this is not simple as anything but simple. And so this movie is going to try to capture that. But the problem is... The topic alone is going to make a lot of people who would normally see a movie with such a good performance in it, or seemingly good performance since I haven't seen it yet, who would normally watch that movie in a heartbeat, want to stay away. In the past, I've made fun of people for needing trigger warnings and things like that, but this is always going to be one of the times where I understand. And since the topic is so dark and real, it's going to keep a lot of people from seeing it. And, you know, I don't blame them, so I'm going to speak for the rest of this spiel to the people who will see this, or may see this. This looks good and worth a shot. It looks like something you should put on your list of movies to be watched. When do you watch it? That's really up to you. How long do you want to wait? Or do you want to just put it on the back burner until you see it one day on the streaming service and you're reminded of it? This looks good, but not good enough to push it to the top of your list or anywhere near the top. Check this out, but do so later. The Light of the Moon gets a 6 out of 11. And with that, it's time for our final break of the episode. And when we come back, we have the big four movies. We have our first Christmas movie, a movie that Dan from Watch Your Mouth is really excited for, and the biggest movie since summer blockbuster season ended. Which movie's my pick? Is it the obvious one? Is it the one Dan's excited for? Is it the first Christmas movie? Stay tuned and find out. Nerds in a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Square Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall -wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of... Shut the f*** 
God. How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that. F*** a jelly bean. So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, everyone, welcome back from the break. Let's keep this train rolling, because I always call it a train, don't I? It's it's what I do. Let, let, let's keep the FutureFlix train going. We'll find out which movie I choo-choo-choose. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. That was really bad. Can't even play that off as a Simpsons quote. I'm a failure as a human being, it's true. But let's move on to our first movie back from the break, which is the first Christmas movie of the season. And you may be saying, hey, hey, Halloween just ended. I believe there's another holiday until Christmas. You are right, but no one has told the department stores or the movie theaters that. That movie is called A Bad Mom's Christmas. The Bad Moms return, and this time they're rebelling against Christmas. This stars Mila Kunis, Kristen Bell, and Katherine Hahn from the first Bad Moms. It also stars Christine Barinsky from The Good Wife, Susan Sarandon from Thelma and Louise, Justin Hartley from Smallville and This Is Us, and Peter Gallagher from The O.C. And I am really surprised. I'm really surprised this movie even interests me. Uh, the first Bad Moms, I never saw it, but it looked funny. I, I plan to see it, and I really should. It's a stupid-looking comedy, and I love stupid-looking comedies, especially with Katherine Hahn, because she is fantastic. I also love Christmas, but I prefer my Christmas movies in December, or at the very least, after Thanksgiving, where they belong. Why is this movie coming out now? I don't know. Will this movie still be in theaters in Christmas time? I don't know, but it should. This is a raunchy comedy full of easy jokes and what's not to love. This is going to be a short talk because you know what to expect. If you saw Bad Moms, if you liked Bad Moms, or if you're even remotely interested in it, you know that this could be for you. This could be a movie to keep an eye out for the holiday season to put on a Christmas movie marathon list. Yes, I'm going to be talking about Christmas movie marathons from now on until Christmas. To any musicians out there, if you want to sample that, go right ahead. I give my permission for you to sample that bit of my wonderful voice and my singing skills that are quite amazing. Thank you. But yeah, this is a basic movie. And normally when a movie is basic, I don't like it. I will say bad things about it. But in this case, with movies like this, basic is okay because it's just a funny movie. It's the genre of movie that we're a little more accepting of. If this comes out on DVD or streaming or Blu-ray by Christmas time, definitely put this on your Christmas movie marathon list. A Bad Mom's Christmas gets a 6.5 out of 11. The third to final movie this week is a movie called Last Flag Flying. A young man is killed overseas and his father is going to receive the body and set up a funeral. The father served in Vietnam and requests the aids of his two friends, his two former Marine buddies, to accompany him on the trip. This stars Steve Carell from Foxcatcher, Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad, and Lawrence Fishburne from The Matrix. And I want to give this movie a special mention. A very special mention, because this could have been my pick had it been released in the past few weeks even. But this week there is a movie I cannot ignore that I cannot have anywhere but as my pick of the week. And it's a shame because this movie looks really good and I think it's coming out at a terrible time. Because I do think there are some people who would go to see the pick of the week and also this one. But since they're coming out the same week probably won't see both and will obviously see the pick of the week instead. This looks like a very poignant movie and it could get really political, but it doesn't look like it's going to. It has the opportunity to based on the fact that this young man was killed in an unpopular war. His father survived a very unpopular war as well. And his father is going on this trip with his old war buddies to get his son's body. There are a million different ways this movie can get political. But it doesn't look like it does that. It looks like it focuses on one man trying to cope with his loss and reaching out to two of the best friends he's ever had. Two friends that he probably hasn't seen much after the war, but he knew he could still turn to them. The war had been over for years. It was something they all wanted to forget, but all it took was him coming to them saying, hey, I need your help. And they're like, yes, 
Let's let's help you. And I think that's beautiful. And I think that's a better story to tell. Another movie can be made and other movies have been made that have turned political where we show the treatment of our soldiers, the treatment of our soldiers after Vietnam or after Iraq and Afghanistan and how these unpopular wars affected them and how we then subsequently treat them. But this movie, let it be about this man needing his friends and not knowing what to do because his one and only well, assuming one and only child has died. And also as he learns more about his son on the trip to pick up the body. What did his son think of him? Did his son look up to him at all? These are questions that are going to be answered in this movie. This is going to be a poignant and touching movie that I guarantee will make you cry. But it's also a message I think is very important of friendship, of brotherhood, of camaraderie. This is a movie everyone should watch. But again, don't watch it in theaters. This movie gets a special mention as one that must go on your list. Last Flag Flying gets an 8.5 out of 11. Two movies left, folks. We have two movies left this week. And the next movie that's not my pick, but I'm also really excited for, is called Blade of the Immortal. Manji is a samurai who is cursed with immortality. Rin is a young girl whose parents are murdered, and she seeks vengeance for them. Manji decides to help Rin because she reminds him of his sister who was brutally murdered. He hopes helping her will help him regain his soul. And this movie looks badass. If you've never read it, the Blade of the Immortal manga is very violent and very good. And this looks just as good. Japan has been getting better and better with their movie live action versions of anime and manga. And after Ghosts in the Shell and death note america should really take notice of how japan does things and just do the same thing with our technology we can do it we can do the same thing let's not change a story up altogether change the race of all of the actors and basically not be honest to the source material at all that's what we tend to do here of course you're going to notice a definite style difference that's just the way that movies are made in japan but what you're going to get is a better story. It's going to be more honest to the source material because they understand that's what fans want. Of course, that's not what they always understand. Sometimes they screw things up really bad. We've all seen terrible movies from Japan. Well, if you're a fan of anime, at least, you've seen a terrible adaptation. It happens. But Japan has a better batting average than America does. I can't actually think of any time that an anime was turned into a movie in America and it was good. And let's even expand our view from just anime to video games now and i can count the amount of times hollywood turned a video game into a movie and was good i can count the amount of times they did that on one hand i don't count resident evil as a video game movie anymore just because they completely did their own thing let's finish up with blade of the immortal this looks really good and of course, you should only watch it if you're interested in the source material if you read the manga you know or if this looks good obviously Duh. But for everyone else, this is an easy choice. Skip this. But if you are interested in this sort of thing, this movie is for you. Blade of the Immortal gets a 10 out of 11. And with that, it's the final movie of the week, and we all know what the pick is. And I swear, one of these days, I will stop being so predictable. That movie is called Thor Ragnarok. Thor is beaten by an old adversary of Asgard. He is imprisoned and forced to fight for the Grand Master in a gladiator arena. It's there that he runs into his old friend, the Hulk, and he must come up with a plan to not only escape, but to defeat Hela, the one who took everything from him. This has Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston, Idris Elba, Mark Ruffalo, and Anthony Hopkins reprising their roles from previous movies. Oh, this also has Bender's Great Cribbage Board in it as Doctor Strange. The newcomers to the MCU, though, are Kate Blanchett from Lord of the Rings, Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park, Tessa Thompson from Creed, Carl Urban from Dread, and the director himself, Taika Waititi, from What We Do in the Shadows. And Marvel made a fantastic choice with this movie. Because they could have picked a big-time director, they could have picked someone everyone knows, but instead they went with indie director Taika Waititi, who is really good at what he does, he just doesn't do a lot. He has only done one movie, or two movies now, that got any sort of notice in America. That, of course, being What We Do in the Shadows and The Hunt for the Wilder People, both of which were fantastic movies. But now he takes his particular talents and takes them to the Thor universe, or better yet, the MCU. And what we have is a fantastically entertaining-looking movie. 
In fact, this has the potential to be the best Marvel movie yet. The phrase of the week for this episode is going to be source material, because here I go again. One of Taika Waititi's traits that make him the best pick for this movie is the fact that he loves the source material. Or at least enjoys it. I'm not sure how much he loves it. He just enjoys the source material. And he knows that movies need to be first and foremost entertaining. In Hunt for the Wilder People, he made a movie that was ended up being very poignant and had a great message, had a great story, but it was also entertaining. So he took that to the Thor universe and just made the whole thing look really fun. I think it's really safe to say that Marvel, once they got their heads out of their asses and really took over making movies, they have done a good job. It started with Iron Man and all the way until now, they have done a great job. And I think that sometimes they do a better job than others. I don't think they've made a bad film. Not at all. They've just made films that were good and films that were great. And this is going to be one that's great. This movie is also going to satiate our need for a Hulk movie because still reports are that there is not going to be a Hulk movie. But like I reported a few weeks ago, the Hulk will get a storyline that's going to span from Thor Ragnarok to Avengers 5. Right? 5? Crap. No, 4. 4 because... uh. Civil War was a Captain America movie. So Hulk is going to get his story spread over three movies, which I think is a great idea, though I'd love to see a Hulk movie personally. I think Mark Ruffalo would be fantastic, but this is fine too. We're also going to get a lot of familiar characters, a lot of actors playing the familiar roles, and all of the new people they've cast are really good. When the first trailer for Thor Ragnarok dropped, and you see Kate Blanchett catch the hammer and smash it. That was fantastic. And we're finally going to get to see the fallout from Thor the Dark World. In the scenes when we see Thor and Loki being all buddy cop and kicking ass, does Thor know that Loki killed Odin? And remember folks, I am not Critter, so I am not going to keep some 10-year moratorium on spoilers. You've had four years to watch Thor The Dark World. If you haven't seen it, that is 100% your fault. If I had spoiled Stranger Things Season 2, then yes, come over here and beat me up because I would be an asshole. But this has been four years. You've had your chance. So yes, Loki kills Odin and takes his place and, and uses his shape-shifting powers to pretend to be Odin. When Hela comes, it's obviously going to be revealed that Loki is Odin because he's not going to have any of Odin's powers. But will Thor be there to witness it or will he already be captured? So when Loki shows up, will he know? And will they have to overcome this, oh, you killed my father, but we have to work together sort of thing? Or will they work together? It'll all be cool. Then it will come out that Loki killed Odin and then they'll be at each other's throats. And I'm really glad we're seeing Loki again because I think he's the best villain we've had in any of the Marvel movies. I believe Kate Blanchett is going to come in a very close second, but Tom Hiddleston as Loki is my favorite role in the MCU. Especially that scene in Thor The Dark World where Loki is captured and he finds out that his mother has been killed and Thor goes to visit him and then he drops the illusion of he's perfect and the room is all messed up and he's all messed up because of some tantrum he threw that gave me chills it shows you what could break such a seemingly evil character and also shows you that his mother his adopted mother but still his mother was the only thing keeping him human or was it will we see in this movie that there's still humanity or asgardianness left in loki i haven't talked much about chris hemsworth in this because we all know we love chris hemsworth he is great at everything he touches. Of course, it was Tom Hiddleston, but I always like to give him a special mention because he's fantastic. This is a movie that's really going to whet our appetites until Infinity Wars comes out. And remember, folks, if you didn't know, we are the last to get Infinity Wars or Infinity War. The way it's set right now, April 25th, 2018, Australia, France, Italy, Netherlands, and New Zealand get it. Oh, and Sweden. And then we don't get it until May 4th, along with Romania, Philippines, Sri Lanka, and Canada. But every other country in the world gets this first. And I guess there's a good business reason for doing that. But we're talking about Thor Ragnarok right now. And what else can I really say? Was there anything I could have said that would change your mind about this? You either are super excited for it, or you're tired of comic book movies and you don't think this looks good. 
And either way, no matter what side you're on, I don't think there's anything I could have said. I just use that time to talk about what I love about it and what I think and what I'm looking forward to. And what I'm looking forward to is a really well put together movie, a beautiful looking movie with really good acting and a good story. Will any of the actors or the director or the writer get Oscar nods for this? Of course not, because this is a comic book movie and the Academy hates comic book movies and they hate horror and they hate sci-fi and they hate fantasy. They hate anything that's fun basically. But Thor Ragnarok looks great, and that is why it's my pick of the week, even though I really like the look of Last Flag Flying, Blade of the Immortal, and yes, A Bad Mom's Christmas. Those movies look really good, but they picked a terrible week to release. Thor Ragnarok gets an 11 out of 11. And with that, it is the end of the movies for this week, and time for the question of the week, which actually no one answered because I forgot to remind everyone on Twitter and Instagram. So my fault, my fault for not reminding you, because let's face it, if you listen to a lot of podcasts and they ask for audience participation, like, hey, here's our question, here's our topic, what do you think? A lot of the times when you're listening to it, you don't actually have the time right then to, at least if you're like me, don't have the time right then to comment. Sometimes I'm listening at work on my break or I'm listening as I'm driving somewhere. Can't just grab my phone and go, oh, let me comment right now and then crash and die. So you try to remind yourself to go and comment later. And that's why I'm really bad with commenting, especially on Somewhat Nerdy, because Somewhat Nerdy Radio is bi-weekly. So it just slips my mind easier going, oh yeah, I'm going to answer this question. They specifically called me out. I'm going to answer this question for them. So sorry I didn't remind anyone, but please answer, answer anytime. I will always read your answer, even if you go back to the first question of the week and answer that. I will I will always read it. What is your favorite Coen Brothers movie? And for me, it's not the obvious, well, maybe not the obvious one. Probably a lot of people say Big Lebowski or Fargo. All right, I guess my answer isn't that obtuse. It's probably one of the main ones that people are going to say. So never mind. I take that back. My answer is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? It's a movie I watch at least once a year, if not a couple times. Of course, it's the movie that they based off the Odyssey by Homer. It was directed and written by the Coen brothers, starring George Clooney, John Turturro, Tim Blake Nelson, John Goodman, Holly Hunter. But of course, you knew that already, correct? Correct. But I need to come up with a question that we haven't gone over yet. And for this week's question, we're going to kind of reword an old question and make it a little more specific. So I'm, a, I'm just cheating a little bit. So I've asked the question before of what comic series would you like to see turned into a movie or a TV show, assuming they're going to do a great job. This time I want to ask what in particular Marvel character do you want to see put in the MCU? So this can't be anyone that they've already done a movie for or that they are planning to do a movie for. So no Miss Marvel or I'm sorry, Captain Marvel and no Gambit. What Marvel character do you want to see added to the MCU? And with that, let's wrap this episode up with the housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating on iTunes. Please give me and all the other podcasts in the Somewhat Nerdy radio network, or podcast network, sorry, five stars. We've been getting more ratings recently. Thank you, everyone. Truly thank you. It's amazing that I've I have had the five-star ratings I've been asking for. Let's see how long we can go until someone rains on my parade and does a one or a two-star rating. Hopefully it'll never happen, but I have to be realistic. I think I do good work. I like the product I put out, but people have varying tastes. So please, I would really appreciate five stars. As the Watch Your Mouth and Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast say, even if you don't like it, give five stars and then just destroy me in the comments. I won't cry that much. So yes, leave a comment. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what you think I need to improve on. Answer the question of the week. Put in your two cents. And as always, did I miss a trailer? Did I miss some news? Something you thought I should talk about? Mention it there. How do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or the Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Check out the Friends of Future Flicks. That is the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, everyone's favorite swearity, and the Uncorked Gamers. Do you like sports, non-wrestling sports? A friend of mine from elementary school actually has a podcast, The Tiger Mike Show. I haven't listened to it yet, honestly, because I don't follow sports at all. I watch sports, but I don't follow news or anything. But I should support it. Just at least check it out. Who knows? We'll see if I keep mentioning it on the show. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, 
my future friends. Please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.